you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 177 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, we are talking about the best center fielders of the Billy Bean era. Yesterday was right field, last week was the infield, and tomorrow we're doing the best left fielders, but today we are doing the Bernie lean and other things, so that's what we got on deck for you guys today. Uh, please follow us on social media, at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram, I am by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to lockedonathletics at gmail.com. Also, after uh, each of these episodes, I will post a poll so you can vote for your favorites at each position and we can uh, compile the all bean team together as opposed to just me saying, yeah, he's the, here are the people. These are these are the guys. So find us over at Locked On A's on Twitter. Make your votes heard. Uh, I also shared on Instagram uh, my own personal poll for the best right fielders. So go check that out on Instagram at Locked On A's as well. Uh, And yesterday, I briefly mentioned that you could get lost in a trade rabbit hole with these A's teams during the Billy Bean era. And one example of a trade rabbit hole that you can get lost in is the number four center fielder during the Billy Bean era. And we are talking about Mark Kotze. Kotze came to Oakland from San Diego after the 2003 season. In exchange for Ramon Hernandez and Terrence Long, Long was traded to Oakland by the Mets for Kenny Rogers, who was acquired by Oakland for Scott Brocious. The A's drafted Scott Brocious, so the fun stops there, but that's just one quick trade rabbit hole for you guys. Um, Yeah, you go from Scott Brocious to Kenny Rogers to Terrence Long to Mark Kotze and beyond. Uh, I'll I'll touch on that here in a little bit, but back to Mark Kotze, though. He played in 472 games for the A's, batting 282 with a 336 on base percentage and a 97 WRC plus so he was just 3% below league average with 100 being league average he accumulated 4.4 wins above replacement in his four years with Oakland and he would be traded to the Braves after a down 2007 season in exchange for Joey Devine and a minor leaguer and I mean I know that I'm going to get into Joey Devine here in a second but with what he was producing if injuries hadn't gotten in the way, Joey Devine looked like one hell of a pitcher. So that would have been another great trade for Billy Bean and company. But uh, Joey Devine went 6-1 and one with an 0-59 ERA and a 197 FIP, fielding independent pitching, with the A's in 2008 and finished 6th in the Rookie of the Year voting. But uh, as I just alluded to, injuries kept him out of action until 2011. But he called it a career after being placed on the 60-day DL with a right rhomboid strain uh, that's in the upper back is what i found out so uh yeah that that stinks he he made a brief appearance and then he was like hey, i got the, these injuries they they kept me out of action for too many years and now uh i'm i think i'm good on baseball so uh joe advine looked like he had some talent didn't get to prove it with the a's but uh, uh overall these trades are fun but you know what's even more fun inside the park homers Frank Thomas hit two home runs in game one of the 2006 ALDS and Barry Zito outdueled Johan Santana and that provided a lot of optimism in that 2006 ALDS after one game. Sure, the A's have been up a couple of games before and lost, but uh, this time it felt different because they beat the other team's ace and they were like, hey, they're not Boston or New York. This is great. We can take the Twins. Uh, So then in game two, the A's scored 
two off of Boof Bonzer. And uh, honestly, I just wanted to say that name because Boof Bonzer. And uh, for the more politically inclined, boofing is when you're tied two to two heading to the seventh inning. And that's when Mark Kotze provided his most memorable moment in an A's uniform. Kotze hit what basically, basically looked like a routine fly ball to center, but it started sinking on Torrey Hunter, the twin center fielder. And instead of getting the ball in front of him, uh, and just, you know, smothering it. He dove for it like a sucker. He missed, and it skid all the way to the wall because the turf in Minnesota just makes balls go really fast, and it was a pain in the ass to play there. But, uh, you know, it, it worked out for the A's in this instance. Jason Kendall scored on that play. Mark Kotze beat the relay home. He slid feet first, a tip for Jeremy Giambi, and then he just jumped up, punching the air, uh, you know, like the end of any 80s movie, like uh, The Karate Kid, I feel like might may have ended that way, where you just freeze frame, and they're just stuck in the air and... That's that's what he did. His jersey was untucked. It was just a lot of fun. That series, uh, tons of fun. I really enjoyed when the A's won that uh, series in the playoffs because uh, you don't see those too often. I went to game three in Oakland, which at the time just felt like it would be another playoff game. But as time has gone on, game three of the 2006 ALDS holds a little more weight in my mind just because that's the only game of the only series the A's have won in nearly two decades that fans could actually attend. They won a series with me in attendance, and I'm not saying that I'm better than you. I'm just saying I was there. Um, that's, yeah. Anyways, Mark Kotze is a coach for the A's now. <laughs> and uh, the thought of Kotze as a manager and waiting either for the A's or another team is kind of a prevailing thought of, around baseball. So uh, it'd be kind of cool to see him, you know, in charge of a team, uh, ahead of the ship, captain of the ship. That's the one. Um, he's still just 44, so he has plenty of team to get that job and impart his knowledge on inside the park homers to other players under his tutelage. And uh, looking forward to that. Uh, but next up on the list is a guy who's biggest moment was also a home run and that is Rajay Davis granted his homer uh, came against one of the best closers in baseball in game seven of the World Series but uh, he wasn't on the A's so that one does not count as his biggest moment uh, I was looking around and he did actually hit a big homer for the A's or more specifically Bob Melvin back in 2017 and on July 29th of that season with the A's down by a run in the bottom of the ninth Rajay took a heater on the outer third of the plate over the fence in center to give the A's a win over the Twins that was win number one thousand for Bob Melvin and without Rajay Davis does Bob Melvin ever get no win number one thousand I mean my, most definitely he does, but I'm saying that Rajay Davis made it happen that day for him. So good job on Rajay Davis. Uh, he spent the uh, 2008 through 2010 seasons. So, you know, those three seasons with the A's and then came back to Oakland for the 2017 season. And over the course of his 469 games with the green and gold, he batted 276 with a 321 on base percentage and a 91 WRC plus 9% below league average. And uh, he also totaled six wins above replacement, uh, which is... How he landed at the number three spot on our list because we're really just ranking everybody off of their war totals. But uh, as for how the A's ended up acquiring Rajay Davis here, and they got him off of waivers from the Giants, which I did not know. 
He'd had a good 2007 season with the Giants, batting 282 in 51 games, but started the 08 season 1 for 18, which is what got him placed on waivers. I wanted to do a joke with, haha, they gave us Rajay Davis, and then just four years later, we made the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Giants had won two World Series, but, uh, you know, that's beside the point. Anyways, Davis was with the A's until after the 2010 season when he was traded to Toronto for Danny Farquhar and Tristan Magnuson. Farquhar was traded in April of 2011 for David Percy, who tossed 12 innings for the A's before they flipped him to Detroit for Scott Sizemore. You guys, remember when he got hurt before the 2012 season? It's not Scott Sizemore. Uh, I talked about him last week. So uh, go listen to the Third Base podcast, and uh, you'll see my love for Scott Sizemore and his role in A's history, if you will. Um, He got hurt is what it was, and then he led to other people, a la josh donaldson getting a shot at third base so uh that is so that is the the legacy of scott sizemore in oakland for you guys uh just a another quick little rabbit hole for you guys to d- dig into uh as far as rajay goes though i had one brief interaction with him in oakland during the 2017 season i was sitting in the a's dugout as a member of the press uh during batting practice and he came running off the field saw me sitting there and he was like hey how you doing man and uh which if you've been listening to this podcast regularly, if somebody shows me any sign of attention, I'm like, well, wow, they're a pretty good person. <laughs> so yeah, he he did that, and he's uh he's on my good guy Hall of Fame uh, along with Shamanaya, who also said, "Hey, buddy, what's up?" Uh, or something like that. So uh, two of the best guys in Oakland A's history, Rajay Davis, Shamanaya, get their jerseys, send them money, or do whatever you do to people that you uh, think are nice. Um, yeah, but the way that he said it though made it sound as though we were familiar with one another. Like he recognized me for some reason. And other than like loitering around the clubhouse a few times that season, uh, he definitely shouldn't have seen me before. So, uh, it was just cool that he was like, Hey, how are you? And stuff. Um, So yeah, that's it for Rajay Davis. But coming up on the show, we're putting on a laser show while we Bernie lean. So stay locked in with locked on A's and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Locked on A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like hearing podcasts. And if where you like hearing podcasts happens to be like Apple Podcasts or somewhere where you can leave a rating and a review, please do so because uh, it helps the show tremendously and I very much appreciate it. So uh, yeah, and, and, and if you don't use Apple Podcasts, uh, just subscribe. Tell a friend, subscribe, and then you can hear this voice yelling at you guys about A's baseball every single day. It's wonderful fun. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, we have our final show of this shortened week for Thanksgiving, uh, taking a couple days off at the end of the week, and uh, we're going to be talking about left fielders. It is a fun, fun list, you guys, so you're not going to want to miss that. But sticking with our current crop of guys, coming in at number two on our center field leaderboard is Razor Ramon Laureano, and I wrote specifically throws toothpick slash do not do the accent so i'm not going to do that but moving right along hey yo loriano came to the A's in exchange for brandon bailey that was such a bad razor ramon impression <laughs> that it was trying not to do the accent anyways loriano came to the a's in exchange for brandon bailey who was one of the roughly 100 astros pitchers that threw at ramon this past season bailey has since been traded to cincinnati uh just because they could probably get worse pitchers that could throw at ramon loriano i guess i i don't know what uh i think they got cash for him so i don't know what they were thinking on that one he's a uh, pitcher viable 
Un- unclear, but he was a pitcher. He-, he could throw some baseballs. So there's that. But uh, anyways, if you've been watching the A's for the past three seasons, it's no surprise that Laureano is on this list. The only real surprises with him being on the list is that he's only played in 225 games with the A's and has already accumulated 7.3 wins above replacement. But in watching him play, the talent is just obvious out there. Y- you see that he's accumulating wins above replacement. It's simple. <laughs> he- he's good at baseball is really all you can see. Uh, so far with the A's, Ramon is at 270 with a 343 on base percentage and a 121 WRC plus. And not only is his bat 21% above league average, but he's also thrilled us with some of his ridiculous defensive plays too. Of course, there's the catch in Anaheim with a throw uh, on a line to first base uh, for that double play. Uh, I did a terrible job of explaining it just now, but you know which one I'm thinking of. You think of Ramon Laureano, you think of him catching the ball in Anaheim and then just whirling it to first base on a line and uh, getting a double play. It's what I said, but more exciting. <laughs> Those were like the exact same words, but more exciting. Uh, and that's really the play that put him on the map uh, in baseball in general. But he also had three spectacular catches in August this past season, again in Anaheim, where he dove coming in for one. He caught one at the wall and then he robbed a homer. You know, it's just a typical day's work for Ramon Laureano. And uh, sometimes he gets to show off his arm too. And Those are the best days. Uh, In 2019, when the Red Sox came to town, Laureano threw out Xander Bogarts at home. Then the next day, Bogarts tried to stretch a double into a triple in ninth, and Laureano just nailed him at third. And then two days later, Mookie Betts tried to go first to third on Laureano and got the same result. I don't know what they were thinking. You see it happen once. You're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't run on this guy. But they did it three times, and the same player did it twice two days in a row. It was hilarious. I really enjoyed that. And I think that that series of plays is what I really think about when Loriana comes to mind. Dude just has a cannon. And for some reason, they just keep running on him. And I, I'm not going to stop him. Please keep doing it. I really like watching, uh, you know, laser throws come in from the outfield. It brings me joy in life to watch that happen. And honestly, I think that those three plays right there are why the Red Sox have not been very good the last couple of seasons, because Ramon has scared them enough so that they don't even want to leave the batter's box because they don't want to get thrown out wherever they run. So uh, I think that he's like legitimately given them some PTSD. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, that brings me to the man that taught us all the Bernie lean, and that is Coco Crisp. Coco easily leads the way with uh, 734 games played for the A's across seven seasons. He was also a really rare free agent signing for the A's, signing a one-year $5 million deal ahead of the 2010 season that came with a club option, which uh, did get exercised, and then they kept just re-signing him after that. So in his time with the A's, the switch hitter batted 253 with a 322 on-base percentage and a exactly league average WRC plus of 100, and he earned 12.4 wins above replacement along the way. His 2015 season, in which he held a 35 WRC plus in 139 plate appearances looks to have derailed his overall stats just a little bit. He could have had like a 101 or maybe a 102 WRC plus if not for uh, those terrible 139 plate appearances. So uh, since we are already fairly familiar with Coco Crisp, I'm just going to run down a couple of my key favorite memories of him. And uh, the first one is not nice. And but it has to be said because it is definitely a memory of Coco Crisp. And that's just his throwing arm. He could not throw a baseball very far or hard. Um, is it better than mine? I mean, probably. I can't throw very well. I mean, for distance. I can throw accurately, though. I can throw really accurately, just not far at all. And it gets tired very easily. But 
but it's accurate. So there's that. Um, yeah, basically, runners just kept going at the extra base on Cocoa Crisp, and it got kind of old after a while. But uh, that, that's just the one bad memory. The next couple are just more fun because they all have to do with the 2012 season. And uh, yeah, here's number one on the list, and that is in game three of the ALDS with the A's down two games to nothing to the Tigers. Prince Fielder drove a ball to deep right center field. Coco went back, timed his jump perfectly, and uh, he, he caught the ball over the fence. He took a home run away. Prince Fielder chuckled to himself, and uh, Coco kept the A's ahead, one uh, nothing in the game at that point. They would eventually win 2 to nothing behind six shutout innings of two-hit ball from Bert Anderson, who had just returned from injury. I uh, remember when he was, you know, good, he would be hurt and then he'd just kind of show up and you're like, hey, he's pretty solid, actually. Um, anyways, my second favorite memory of Coco Crisp was the very next day when Coco hit a grounder through the right side that Avasael Garcia just ran past. And then Seth Smith rounded third, came home to score. A's tied the series two to two, forts in a game five in 2012. And uh, it was just a, another walk-off win for the A's. It was their final walk-off win of the season, but just another one of those special moments for that team in that season. And, uh, you know, it, he, he got very excited too. There are so many things about everything that happened that season. Uh, if you if you know, you know. And I'm not going to try and explain it because uh, you, you kind of have to go through the entire season to get the feel of it. Kind of like my, my third and final memory about Coco Crisp. And uh, that obviously has to be the Bernie Lean. And uh, if you listen to the song now, it totally is not a great song. But under the right circumstances, I would totally lose all control of my bodily functions if that thing came on. Because it's a fucking bangers it sucks but it's also a banger because of the emotion that it, that season uh brought along so uh that that team was just special and coco crisp was a big part of their success as the savvy veteran and uh you know just great memories all around so that's the uh the coco crisp portion of this also one one last thing i saw him at a few mojito mondays at havana in Walnut creek so if you ever run into him uh offer him a mojito I think he likes them. I'm not sure. I don't know what he was drinking, but I saw him a few times. So uh, give him a mojito if you see him. Uh, but uh, anyways, that is it for me today, you guys. I have the top four left fielders coming for you guys tomorrow. So until then, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I will talk with you guys tomorrow. Bernie Lane, uh, can you Bernie Lane? Can you Bernie Lane? Can you Bernie Lane? Can you Bernie Lane? I can Bernie Lane. I can burn it lane, watch me burn it lane, uh Can you burn it lane? 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 I can burn it lane, I can I can burn it lane, I can burn it lane, watch me burn it lane. I did my burning lane inside a Walgreens. Seen a cute girl with a nose ring. She said your burning mean, oh you think my burning mean?